Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Total Basis Podcast. I'm joined over here with uh, Felipe Melicio. It is March 31st, or otherwise known as the day Ron Swanson was the busiest man at Parks and Rec. Felipe's throwing a circle change over there. I don't know what's going on. But how are you doing today, Felipe? I just found this baseball uh, not too long ago, and I figured it'd be a cool uh, prop to showcase here as a uh, you know, why not, right? It is a baseball show, and I have a baseball in my hand. And yeah. I, I, you know, I never uh, mastered the uh, the grips on these things. Uh, you know, so maybe you can teach me a few things, or someone <laughs> out there can teach me a few things. I, I, I was, I was, I was a catcher. I wasn't much of a pitcher. This is a four seamer, right? Yeah. If you're out there, correct my. Uh, my class on me here. I, I, I didn't get a chance to play baseball when I was a kid, so so that's my excuse. Um, yeah, we have a big show. Uh, we're waiting for Steve to, uh, our buddy Steve to uh, join us. Uh, he uh, he is uh, my Mardi Gras Madness uh, Fantasy Baseball League uh, champion from last year. He's also a good friend of mine, and for lack of a better term, uh, for lack of a better term, he's also my arch nemesis, so uh, that's going to be a treat to see him. Um, talking with us as he shares his uh, expertise there. But we also have, in the meantime, something else for you guys. That's right. It's another spreadsheet. Let me know if you can see that, Sean. There we go. It's popped up. Awesome. Yeah. Felipe, for, for the for the people that haven't joined us on the previous podcast, what is it we're doing here with these seemingly random teams? Right. So, uh, what we're what we've been doing since uh, what since February since when no maybe yeah right, right right at the end of February beginning of January. Well, so what we're doing is uh, we're trying to uh, this is our way of kind of breaking down all thirty teams in Major League Baseball by having this little uh, activity where we select maybe four to anywhere between four to six teams and try to come up with the best lineup we can come up with just on those teams. So today, as you can see, it's going to be the Cubs, the Indians, the Nationals, the Mets, and the Red Sox. Um, and there's always a certain theme to these teams. Uh, what's this week's themes, uh, uh, Sean? I have on Facebook Build-A-Bear because we do have the Cubs in today. But I also thought uh, postseason or pumpkins because these yeah. are a lot of teams that have either recently won championships, recently won their divisions or leagues. And it seems like maybe their windows are closing. Uh, a lot of guys, they're a year older. The, the Cubs starting pitchers. The Mets have a, already a couple of key injuries. The Red Sox have lost Mookie Betts. Nationals lose Anthony Rendon. So it, it seems like now is their time to go for it. I know the Nationals just won their World Series, but yeah. it seems like they're still in it, but their window might be closing. And I see that Leon Tompkins is, uh, will be watching because his team, the Nationals, are involved. And uh, he's probably wondering where all the Nationals are. Well, well they, they all went away, right? Anthony Rendon went to the Angels. Uh, I feel like more than, oh, Bryce Harper's not with the Phillies. So, yeah. Yeah. They're all so it, the, the original Nationals core is no longer there, but they doubled down. They brought back Strasburg, and they have a, a new, you know, team leader offensively in uh, Juan Soto, who hopefully they keep around because he is just a blast to watch. And, and that's coming from a Mets fan. I mean, he absolutely murders us, but he's really fun to watch, and he's super young and great for the game in general. Yeah, I, I, uh, we talked about Juan Soto ad nauseum already on this podcast. We uh, sing his praises. Uh, he's in my uh, in, in our brand new spanking fan tracks league, uh, the Baseball Life League, uh, where I drafted him first overall, and 
and Sean got mad and got in a hissy fit. So we <laughs> talked about that already. Matthew Whelan's on, on Matthew Whelan is on board. Unfortunately, we're not talking about his Angels, but I believe we'll be talking about the Angels pretty soon, right? Uh, Angel, Angels, I think, are the next one up. Uh, not to give away too much, but we have the up and ups coming on the next episode. That's going to be kind of your young rising teams. I think the Angels really are one of those rising teams with the addition of Anthony Rendon. Yeah. So they will be coming up in the near future. Yeah, I have a feeling that Mike Trout's going to be on this list as well. So uh, this week around, <laughs> I decided not to color coordinate by the team colors. I decided to color coordinate only by the players that all three of us have. On, okay. On our roster, on our team, our imaginary team here. So we, so let's start out with catcher. With catcher, uh, it's, I mean, yeah, it, it's the obvious choice, right? Yeah. That, that I don't see another really option. Aside from, you know, you might be scared off by Wilson Contreras' uh, slight injury history. But um, out of the five guys I have, you know, as the starters, Vasquez in Boston, Contreras in Chicago, Roberto Perez in Cleveland, Wilson Ramos for the Mets, and Kurt Suzuki in Washington. And of those five, or, uh, we all had the consensus Wilson Contreras pick. Um he just gives you the most out of every uh, category that you're looking at in a five by five um, in points. He, he's still great. Uh, we did see breakouts though from Vasquez and Perez. Uh, do you buy any of those breakouts, Felipe? Uh, can you repeat those names one oh. time? Oh, you, oh the, uh, out of the catchers? Yeah. Do yeah. Do you buy any of the breakouts from Christian Vasquez and Roberto Perez? I like Roberto Perez, but. That's not saying much. Um, I, I like him because he, he's going to get the – he should be getting the playing time as catch number one out of Cleveland. I forgot who the backup is, but it, it shouldn't be anybody worth mentioning. Uh, Sandy Leone. They, um, oh, Cleve, Cleveland and Boston switched backup catchers this year. That's, Kevin Plobowiecki went to Boston, and Sandy Leone went to Cleveland. So that's uh, right. the, that's, both guys should have the lion's share, which is a very important aspect of catchers and fantasy. That's why you're such a big fan of Salvador Perez. Right, which I was only able to get him in one draft. <laughs> After yeah. all, talking about – right? I, I think I got him in the Fantrax League, right, Salvador Perez? Yes, you got him in the Fantrax League. It is a points league over there. That's why I was not going to touch him. No, it's a categories league, sorry. Oh, categories, my bad. Um, Either way. But, yeah, in, in points leagues, I won't touch him. Categories, I'm slightly more attuned to him. But um, between the two veterans, Ramos and Suzuki, what are your, what are your thoughts there? Uh, I like Ramos. Again, I mean, I don't see anybody else threatening uh, that position for the New York Mets. And there's a lot of qualities to Wilson Ramos. I mean, the guy can hit, uh, especially yeah. from the catcher. He's a pretty damn decent hitter. I mean, I was able to draft him in a newbie league, which we'll talk about next week uh, as we try to put all our uh, ducks in a pond here. Uh, but Wilson Ramos, um, I've always liked them, even with, during his time with the Nationals. I know that injuries are always a concern with them, but when – He's on, he's on. Uh, at the very least, he'll give you a high batting average. Um, so, so far, of the uh, aside from Wilson Contreras, Roberto Perez, just for the playing time alone, uh, he does have some decent pop. Not something to you know go home and brag about, but it's decent enough where uh, if you want to play the hot hand with him, you can. And Wilson Ramos is as steady as it comes. He's a top six catcher for me this year, so... Um, it's just uh, he doesn't do much of anything else, but at the very least, uh, like I mentioned, the batting average should be stable enough. But yes, yeah, 
I mean, he, he batted 288 last year, which was the highest among all qualified catchers. Um, Too easy. Too easy. Uh, the, the one worry I do have with Ramos, I, I am a Mets fan unapologetically, and I, I did not pick him. You know, I'm, I'm not the homer here, but um, he had a really high ground ball percentage. And he's always had pretty big power or pretty good power because he is a big guy, but it's hard to hit for power. He only had 14 home runs. He had three less home runs than Kurt Suzuki and 220 more at bats. So that is something to look out for in Wilson Ramos. It might be a lot of empty batting average, but at the same time at catcher, you're just trying to get whatever you can get. Yeah, exactly. Plus, he'll be get like I said. There, there's nobody in New York that should be challenging him for that job. I mean, unless he gets traded or whatever. But yeah, no they, way. They, yeah, he is a solid number one catcher. But yeah. Suzuki could be a top tier two catcher if you're in a two catcher league. I really do go. like him. Uh, he's gotten around 300 plate appearances the last two years combined. He's more of a timeshare catcher, but he actually has one of the highest hard hit rates of all catchers in the league. So he is a guy to keep around, especially if you're in a two-catcher league. You know, interesting you point out the ground ball rate, uh, the high ground ball rate for Wilson Ramos. That would explain why he does have indeed a, a high batting average. As that, you know, as long as you make that, you give yourself a chance to uh, hit for a higher batting average. But it doesn't mean it's always going to be the case, but that helps as opposed to flyouts. where Especially when you're one of the – he, he's is one of the slowest men in baseball. It, it, it was one of the funniest things to watch all year was Wilson Ramos shifted all the all three infielders to the left side and he would pound it to the shortstop. And sometimes it wasn't hit hard. And so it actually would be a close play if it was a normal runner. And then the shortstop like Trey Turner would look and see, oh, that's Wilson Ramos. Let me go do a Sudoku puzzle and then I'll throw it to first base. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were, uh, I was uh, kib- kib- kibitzing, is that the word, kibitzing? I was uh, looking, what, uh, you playing the show the other night, uh, yes. and you just kept pointing it out, oh, this guy's slow, this guy's slow, he's not going to... He, he has exactly zero speed in MLB of the show. That should tell you all you want, <laughs> but in the meantime, I mean, he does have other qualities in fantasy, so it's good to exploit, but obviously number one in the hood is Wilson Contreras here, it's, it's a no-brainer. There's really nothing else to talk about Wilson Contreras here, so let's move on to uh, – well, before we move on, uh, Leon Tompkins does have a comment saying about Juan Soto, that his numbers would significantly significantly dip without Rendon, but he appreciates the love we're giving to his boy in uh, Washington. He is oh, a big national Oh, for player. sure. And, and we'll get around more to him when we hit, hit the outfielders here. Absolutely. Uh, so on to first base, uh, I feel bad because I'm the Mets fan here, and I did not pick Pete Alonso. Yeah, what's up with that? He's not even my corner infielder. Yeah, so, I mean, otherwise that would be highlighted in a color, but you picked Anthony Rizzo. What's going on there? And I really – Pete Alonso is great. I think he is actually capable of an even higher batting average, but the reason I am not picking him here is because the price it is going to cost you to get him in fantasy baseball right now. Mm. You are buying after a premium year from a first baseman who – albeit he'll be one of the best in three categories, probably only gives you three good categories. I mean, batting average could come up a little bit. And, I mean, he doesn't hurt you in batting average right now. But, really, he's a home run runs RBI guy. And the odds of him hitting 53 home runs again just isn't high. Do you, uh, what do you expect in a home runs from Pete Alonso next year? I don't know. <laughs> we don't know how many games we're yeah. playing. 
in a 162 season, all right, well, we'll go with 162 games, right? Uh, I was expecting like maybe 40 home runs. Uh, which yeah. Is still a lot of home runs, but no, I mean, I'm not expecting 50, uh, 50 odd home runs like last year. Well, who knows? I mean, the baseball could be juiced as well, but <laughs> tempering expectations, 40 would have been a nice round number, which is uh, still a lot of home runs, even, even with the high price tag. Uh, he is going out as the, what, the best first baseman uh, in leagues this year. Yes. Um, so it'd be worth uh, adding even with the high price tag, I would think. But, but no, I, I, I went Anthony Rizzo here. Right. The, the home runs have come down a little bit, even in the, the rabbit ball era. But when I look at his numbers from the last three years, they are just stupid impressive. He yeah. has batted 282, 391 on base, with a 498 slugging. So just two points away from 500. He walks more than Pete Alonso and strikes out literally half the time. In a points league, that is like Carlos Santana levels, the 11.8% walk to 13% strikeouts. It just seems like a safer pick and a much better value than what you're going to have to pay to get Pete Alonso. Interesting. So at first base, speaking of Carlos Santana, he's also on this list. And I don't think he made any of our lineups, which no, he did not. No, which is a tragedy because in a points league, just like I said, Anthony Rizzo uh, is great in points leagues. Even he, he's good in roto and categories, but even better in points. But Carlos Santana is like the points league aficionado. He walks more than he struck out the last three years: two fifty six, three seventy one, four sixty two. But he didn't crack any of our lineups. I think. This was one of the strongest positions uh, that we've had to choose from so far in our Build-A-Bear lineups. <laughs> Build-A-Bear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, on, on the, the previous, we, we've done, you know, the West Coast teams and the uh, Orioles, <laughs> basically. Uh, but usually most of them, they seem like pretty clear-cut decisions. But this is just a, a stacked Anthony Rizzo, Carlos Santana, Pete Alonso. It's a real tough group to pick from here, yeah. but um, I, I don't think there's a wrong answer of any of those three. Why, why did you pick Pete Alonso? I mean, it's the obvious choice. I mean, uh, he's the best uh, first baseman coming into this year, as I alluded to earlier. I like Rizzo. I mean, I am a Cubs fan, as hard as it is to believe sometimes. But, <laughs> uh, you know, those numbers were nice from Rizzo, but in fantasy, it all boils, it all boils down to the raw numbers and – if you're telling me there's a guy, a first baseman out there who's going to give me 40 home runs this year, I want to chase those 40 home runs. Uh, at least that that would normally be the um, uh, conventional wisdom, right? That, that's usually the case. So uh, I know Rizzo, you, you mentioned that he's the safe, like a safe first baseman to have. Uh, I, I, I'm ready to just announce that Pete Alonso is a safe choice as well. Not in the same way, but in, his, in terms of like traditional fantasy baseball. He would be that safe choice, and that's why I honestly thought that was the, the way to go on this one here. Um, okay, hey, from so. as a Mets fan, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> okay, <laughs> going to Rizzo, honestly. Yeah, I I, I was shocked. I, I thought he had a much lower slugging percentage, but it's a 500 slugging percentage. I mean, it's not he's not hurting you in terms of power and extra bases. So now we go to second base. Yeah. Uh, it's a Seemed like a, a clear-cut favorite here. I, I see, oh, Carrie's oh, Stevens joining us. He's sideways. Steve, fix your camera. Uh-oh, here we go. There ah, we go. <laughs> much better. What's going on, guys? How you doing, How you Steven? been, man? How you been? Long time. Good. 
long time. I just uh, just got in from work. Sorry, I'm a little late here. Oh, That's you're good. Right. We're we're he only starts... at second base. We we stalled at catcher just for you. Oh, perfect, <laughs> perfect. Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> can you see our screen whatsoever? Can you see our screen? Yeah, I mean, I can see you guys, and then let's see. Yeah, I mean, it's a little. All right. Oh yeah, there I got it. Okay. okay. Yeah, we lost it quite a bit. Yeah, we just uh, we were talking about how we all chose Wilson Contreras at catcher. Uh, Steve and I picked Pete Alonso at first base, and uh, Sean was the lone wolf with picking Anthony Rizzo. Um, ah. Any quick comments about any of these selections so far? No, no. Um, I mean, eh, I don't know. I'm 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 not that high on Rizzo, but uh, I mean Contreras. I think hands down, when you looked at, I mean, all the teams. I mean, he was he was the obvious fit. Uh, yeah. And I don't, uh, I don't know, I just like Pete Alonso was just an absolute monster last year. So, we're, I mean, I don't know. We'll see what happens with him. But Yeah. Uh, be mindful that uh, Steve's a White Sox fan only. He's the opposite. I mean, he only roots for one team because he can't, he can't concentrate. You know, he's but, but, no. but to be fair, I am, I am, um, I, I can talk baseball. Like I talk trash, but I, I can have normal. I mean, you know what? A whole nother podcast discussion. We can talk about how I think the Cubs actually did everything perfect in the off season, but that's just me. Oh, okay. that 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 would be a fun appearance on Dong City, I am sure. Uh, yeah, now I, we move to second no, base. We can talk about it here too. We can oh, talk about it too. <laughs> Dong City's uh, the more. Uh, um, out, uh, you, you don't think they want to talk about how no, a, a no, big market over team there they want to talk about spending. <laughs> Oh, they just want to talk about the Yankees and Astros. Oh, hey, buddy. Jose Altuve's <laughs> ruining baseball. <laughs> oh, man, Derek Jeter's a god. That was yesterday's show. Anyway, let's move on. Second base, uh, uh, Sean and I have Jeff McNeil. Uh, Steve, we'll start with you since you're the late bloomer here. You went with Starling Castro, the former Cub. Uh, aside from being a former Cub, why did you pick Starling Castro there? No, Starling, I don't know. I, there's something um, – I mean, he's in Baltimore now, right? So uh, Washington. 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 Or Washington. I'm sorry, Washington. Whoa, whoa. I'm really uh, – no, I think um, – Baltimore. I don't know where I got that from. Um, they're, they're really close. <laughs> yeah, right? Geographically um, speaking. I just, I don't know. I, I like him. I, I like him there. I think, uh, I mean, Jeff McNeil, I don't know. Um, to me, it was kind of a toss up. I mean, but again, it was, it was a position when you looked at all, all what, five or six, I don't know how many teams it was, five yeah. teams. Um, that, that I think, uh, for me, Starlin, I mean, Jeff McNeil is going to get you a little bit more betting average, I guess. And, uh, I don't know. I like Starlin's opportunity in that lineup. Yeah, Starlin Castro is not a bad pick here. Uh, I think a lot of people oversaw what he did last year in Miami. It wasn't a great year by any means, but he played in a terrible ballpark. Um, he seemed to really mature in his time in Miami, and I would like to see what he does coming to a division contending team. He has great career numbers in Washington, so maybe those parlay to a, a big year. He's only 30. He seems like the oldest 30-year-old in baseball. He's been around forever, it seems like. <laughs> uh, but as far as the flying squirrel, that's still his nickname, right? That's still his yes. nickname that Jeff Yes, yeah, flying, flying squirrel. squirrel. And, oh, see, I learned something. I didn't know that. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I, I was good. looking at the second baseman, uh, Jeff McNeil, Cesar Hernandez. McNeil's really slated to play third base this year, but we che I, I cheated to get him in at second base. He is second base eligible. Uh, but you have McNeil, Cesar, or Cesar Hernandez, Cano, Castro, Kitness, and Peraza. Uh, Kipnis and Peraza really don't excite me much. Peraza yeah. may be more of a bench piece uh, with multi-positional eligibility batting in front of guys like Xander Bogarts and J.D. Martinez, who we'll get to later. But Jeff McNeil, in his season and a half, already has a higher war over the last three seasons, which he didn't even play 2017, than all of the guys I just mentioned. Wow. 
He is really? a he's a stud. It's so weird because when he came up, he really didn't hit for much power. Baseball America, if you read the scouting report from them, they say has no power. <laughs> and now in 196 games, he has 26 home runs and a slugging percentage over 500. So players can change, wow. and he's one of those guys. He he swings at the first pitch just about every time. He's going to give you batting average on base if you're in a on-base league. Doesn't strike out much, so he's great in points. Hitting towards the top of the lineup, I, don't, I think he's a great pick here. All right, let's move on yeah. to shortstop, where the unanimous choice is Francisco Lindor. Um, yeah. This is pretty obvious. Uh, we all picked uh, Lindor here. Probably one of the more exciting players out there. Um, is there do we really need to talk about Francisco Lindor? I mean, I'd right? put Lindor here. And he deserves to be here. Uh, it's weird how he has as much power as he does for seeing, seemingly being a small guy. But yeah. Xander Bogarts, I think, could make an argument here. You're, mm-hmm. I have him as my middle infielder. Or no, I have Trey Turner as my middle infielder. Oops. Yeah. But, but Xander sure Bogarts, I think, could be, like, looking at the numbers, slightly higher batting average, better on base, pretty close and slugging. He doesn't give you the home runs or the steals, but in a points league where those kind of level off in terms of needing, uh, I like Xander Bogarts here, but Lindor is the obvious pick. Yeah. Uh, Steve, you want to add anything to that? Before we no, I, I, I mean, Lindor, I mean, it, and actually, cause Lindor, I, he didn't even play the full season last year. Correct. No. I mean, he, I mean, and, and the numbers he put up, uh, man, I mean, he's, I mean, to me, yeah, he was just showing, I, I do, it, Bogarts I do like I tried to fit him in later but I I don't know I couldn't I couldn't but it's not for a lack of trying yeah, yeah this, it, it, it was funny because over at uh, CBS they were all worried last year when Lindor had the calf strain to start the year he still played 143 games hit Whoa. 32 home runs and stole 22 bases Whoa. Yep. Whoa. and that was after a calf strain <laughs> it's like 22 steals is, is great in fantasy but uh for all the worries that we've had Lindor going into last year he, he still performed admirably. Special talent. Yeah. Speaking of special talent before, well, since, uh, you know, it, it looked like it was a split between Jose Ramirez and there was a unanimous choice for Rafael Deveris, even though uh, uh, Sean and I didn't pick him as our, as our third baseman. But let's talk about Deveris first. Uh, he's a young, uh, what, 22, 23-year-old left-handed power hitter for Boston. You, you just talked about Bogarts. Uh, let's talk about Deveris. Uh, we'll start with Steve this time around. Steve, uh, any you you have him as your starting third baseman. Why did you pick the the Veers over Jose Ramirez in this one? Well, I mean, honestly, Jose Ramirez just frustrates the hell out of me. Uh, <laughs> I, I you you Toast don't know to really, that. <laughs> you, you really don't know what you're getting. I mean, like you know, even when he I mean he got I mean last season, right? I mean he 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 put up some good numbers, but there was that that period of time where he just I mean he stunk it up, and it was like, you know. Um, I, you just don't know what you're getting from him. And Devers, Devers, Devers kills – oh, man, Devers. You know I had him in our league, Felipe, uh, yeah. a year ago. And then I had him. I dropped him, picked him back up. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know who got him. But I'm sitting here watching him turn into everything that I thought he would. So, yeah, yeah Ramirez just drives me nuts. As far as the fantasy team, I'm, I'm sticking with, with Devers at this point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had Devers, too, uh, uh, for a little bit as well in that league, uh, in the uh, Marty Grimandis, which we we're going to talk about for a little bit in just a sec here. Um, but yeah, uh, it's very frustrating. I think part of it is, you know, he high expectations as a young ball player. Um, mm-hmm. also left-handed hitters is something I always talk about with Sean is, um, be wary of them because they do get easily neutralized. But now with the new rules, 
maybe it won't be as easy to neutralize them, but still that's something to keep in the back of mind that you put a left-handed pitcher out there. These young hitter, these young lefties don't stand a, I'm sorry, young left-handed hitters do not stand a chance against, uh, you know, seasoned left-handed pitchers. The Oliver Perez's of the world. <laughs> yeah. God. He, I cannot believe he's I keep pitching. sneaking him into all of these podcasts, and I am here for it. <laughs> but if you really want to see something interesting, and I do not fault Steve for putting Devers at starting third base, if you check out his baseball savant page, it is just all sorts of red. 94th Monsters. percentile exit velocity, 91st and hard hit percentage. He's on his way up. He's only 23. He's in that core of really young players that are just going to be really exciting to watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, and then we just—I mean, we we talked about Jose Ramirez uh, at nauseum before. I don't think—I mean, everybody knows who Jose Ramirez is at this point. So we can good power speed combo. I mean, I picked up number uh, my second round pick in the newbie league just you know because he was available and uh, yeah, that, I mean, pretty much because he's a, a guy at third base who can steal bases. Yeah, it's a weird thing that happened to Ramirez because at the end of eighteen he slumped, and then mm. the first three months of nineteen he slumped. And but the the, the the cap ends of that beginning of eighteen and end of nineteen, he was all star level hitter. So it is a he's I don't want to say enigmatic, but he's enigmatic. As Steve said, he frustrates the hell out of you. I've had him two years in a row. One year I was pra- singing his praises, and the second year I wanted to pull my hair out. Oh, so that means he's due for a good season. Yeah, obviously. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, let's go with Alfield. Let's uh, let's tackle the ones where. We all have a unanimous, uh, uh, you know, we have unanimous selections. We have two of them in here with Juan Soto and J.D. Martinez. Uh, I mean, do we really need to talk about Juan Soto? I mean, we've talked about him so many times. Well, I mean, you know, you promised Leon we would talk about him some more. So go ahead, He's Sean. really good. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> Can I just leave it at that? His yeah. plate discipline numbers are just, like, for someone who's 20 and 21 years old, he doesn't swing at pitches outside the strike zone. It's like Joey Votto level esque. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of plate discipline. I, I think if you can, it's harder to develop plate discipline. It's much easier to have it and then develop everything around that. And he has it, and he's just going to get better. I'm not sure if he's another 35 home run guy, but he doesn't need to hit 35 home runs to be successful. He doesn't. And then, uh, yeah. Steve, uh, let's switch gears here really quick. Uh, you also picked J.D. Martinez, uh, like all of us did. Well, what attracted you to J.D. Martinez at the uh, outfield position here? Oh, J.D. J.D. actually is, was on my team the last couple of years. Uh, unfortunately, I have room for him this year. But, uh, no, he. I mean, he's just – he's getting you everything. I mean, he's not stealing bases, but, I mean, the guy's hitting well over 300. He's, he, he's collecting hits, especially in a points league. I mean, uh, he, I mean, he's just accumulates stats. And I love guys that, I mean – that that qualify for a position and are dhs because you know for the most part he's a dh and he gets that rest i know they throw him out there right now and then he he always has back spasms always has back spasms <laughs> it's usually his thing uh but at least with the dhing he stays out there more often than not so and he put he just puts up a ton of stats does he have outfield eligibility this year i am that is the one thing that i'm I, not that's sure a good about question. um i know he played a few games in right field but everything he said about jd martinez rings true he has the highest slugging of all the out like that I put together the top 10 outfielders and he has the highest slugging percentage by 80 points. He has a 619 slugging over the last three years. And I double checked. Uh, he does qualify a right field this year. Okay. 
Um, Cause I, I kind of group him in that Jordan Alvarez. He's going to give you all of the hidden categories except stolen bases, but you have to worry about if he's only utility eligible, then it's, I mean, he's obviously worth to put in a util spot, but at the same time, you, you do want some positional versatility. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, and uh, not to go backwards, but uh, Juan Soto, uh, the world series, watching him in the world series, I, for 20 years old, like you said, that plate discipline and how he – I mean, I mean, he's going up against that, that, that Houston rotation, and I, I, was, I was blown away. I mean, I, I was impressed. I don't get a chance to watch the guy that much, but I was like, wow, this yeah. dude's legit. Oh, yeah. He was – he looked like a 10-year veteran out there, and uh, that's really all you yeah. can ask for from these young hitters is uh, – actually, that's more than you can ask for from these young hitters uh, is to have that approach and have that demeanor out at the plate. Uh, let's go with uh, – Chris Bryant, just so I can go in some order. Uh, Steve and I, we both have Chris Bryant. We talked about position versatility. Uh, Chris Bryant does qualify at a couple of outfield positions and at third base still. Um, I know Sean is very wary of him uh, because of the stack cast numbers not being there. Um, but it's still – he's still a guy we should have faith in because he's been productive before. He could be productive like the way we think he could be again. Um uh, Sean, do you do you see any bounce back at all for him? I know you don't have him on your I team, but I definitely I really wanted to fit him in at corner infield. I it, it came down to him or Devers, and I really do believe in Chris Bryant's stuff. He looked great in spring training. Uh, moving him to the leadoff spot might actually be kind of one of those. It gets him thinking in a slightly different way. Maybe he doesn't strike out as much. Maybe he puts the ball in play a little bit more. Maybe he doesn't swing up just consistently. I mean. He probably will, but we, we can hope, right? Uh, right? And um, But I, I'm just wary of those numbers. Uh, we, we've seen it. They've dropped every single year. The performance yeah. is still there, but sooner or later, you, you can't run from the metrics. I mean, it it's yeah. happens. His looks like an aging curve, and he shouldn't have an aging curve like that when he's 27, 28 years old. That's the, the big worry for me. Steve, uh, uh, you obviously picked Chris Bryant on your team here. Um, any concerns whatsoever? Like any same similar concerns that Sean has? Do you have them in you for Chris Bryant? Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, when I first when we first put this list together, I didn't know if we were, remember we were doing specific outfield positions. I had left him out. I had put Mercado there as a center fielder, but then I switched him back in. You know, he he's one of those guys. Like you said, it, it's kind of strange because he. He, like he, like Sean said, he just seems to be a little bit too young to be going like in on the trajectory that he is. It's, I and then you're moving him to that leadoff spot. Like I mean, I'm not saying that he's, he, he, I mean he still he still brings a lot to the table. I just don't see him. I just don't see that ceiling being very high. It could crater his RBI potential. I think that is a, a yeah. big part problem of going to the leadoff spot. It might save his plate approach, but which is already pretty good. But um. That's been his big thing is, you know, being able to put together 90-90 RBIs and runs every year. And if he's a leadoff hitter, he might not reach even 80 RBIs. But um, mm-hmm. I know I said before even Steve came on, I, I'm not a homer, but I have two homer picks here, that I am unapologetically here for Brandon Nemo, and I will defend him to the death. I will <laughs> die on this hill. And then Michael Conforto, I, we've seen the flashes of potential both in like month-long stretches, playoff series, and he's going to be only one or two years away from free agency. So I think it's really time for him to kick it in and start to earn, like, you know, say, hey, 
sign me long-term. Uh, there's been talks about him staying with the Mets long-term. So he, he might try and show out this year and get that extension. But, um, yeah, I'm here for Brandon Nimmo. Everyone can come attack me for the Brandon Nimmo pick here. <laughs> but out of my top 10, I, I added J.D. Martinez, so that's 11. Out of the 11, he has the second highest on base, higher than Chris Bryant and J.D. Martinez, second only to Juan Soto. And if he's in the leadoff hole it with, in front of guys like Jeff McNeil and Pete Alonzo, he's going to be a runs leader in all of baseball, not just the National League, but all of baseball. I mean, his, his plate discipline, like I said, I'm a big fan of plate discipline. So yeah. he, he's a, an easy sell for me. And he gives you a little bit of everything. Stolen bases, runs, RBIs, a little bit of power too. So he seems to, he seems to be a guy that like almost like I don't know. Um, and again, we're, we're I'm going back to my home. Uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Moncada. Like he seems yeah. to walk a lot. He almost walks yes. too too much to a fault, and that almost kind of seems to be. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you would have better perspective on it than uh, me, but that kind of seems to be where where he's at. I mean, he he's I mean, his batting average suffers, but the guy walks. I mean, he walks at a good clip. He gets on base. But I, I'm, I'm wondering if he's almost being a little too selective. And, and we've had these discussions before about him and uh, Kavon Biggio, too, are kind of in that same group yeah. where they have such great plate discipline that it maybe is uh, slightly detrimental. But we've also seen him over time that he has gotten more aggressive. So maybe he, he steps a, uh, another few feet further, too. Gotcha. Yeah, Conforto, I would have took him over Chris Bryant, but I just feel like he's so hot and cold. I, I, it was a close call, though. Yeah, those two, um, I could have put Chris Bryant in front of Brandon Nemo, but like I said, I'm here to die on that hill, and I'll, <laughs> I'll gladly do it. All right. Uh, corner infield, we already talked about Devers. We did talk about Anthony Rizzo for a little bit, but uh, Steve, you have him at corner infield. Uh, uh, Care to elaborate a little bit on that? Actually, you got two Cubs. Might as well talk about both the corner infield and the middle infielder. I was going to say I got players. I got three Cubs players, and then then we go into the rotation. Man, I'm really I'm really stacking them up. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I mean I mean just I mean after after selecting the guys that I did, uh, Rizzo, Rizzo's there. Rizzo. You know, interesting enough, I, I was hoping that, that the Cubs would move him. Uh, I thought he might be moved. Uh, you know, Yankees sure could use a, a left-handed bat at first base, but uh, and that'd be interesting to see what it did to his stats. But, um, no, he – I mean, he you know what you're getting from him. And I, I just feel like solid year in, year out. I mean, he, there's – I mean, it's Anthony Rizzo. I mean, I don't, I don't really got <laughs> nothing more to say about it. I mean, he's going to put the numbers up that he's going to put up. And what about Baez? Oh, now, Baez is actually, even though he's a Cubs, one of my more favorite players. But um, there's a guy that, man, every time I think that he's really not going to do much more, he just seems to, like, okay, you know, his plate discipline isn't so great. Then he kind of improves on that. Then he, I mean, every, every time I think that he's, he's, uh, he's, he's not, he's not going to evolve, he's not going to, like, adapt, and he just does even more. And he's just an exciting player. But, I mean, that doesn't really bode well in fantasy. But, um, exactly. yeah. Um, yeah, no, he, he just, he just always seems to, to, I mean, the guy, the guy for, for a guy who seems to be a free swinger, I mean, he, I mean, he, he puts up a decent average. He, he's going to get your home runs. He's going to get your RBIs. Yeah. I, I, I have no problem with Javi Baez. Felipe, yeah. did you have the issues I did at middle infielder oh, picking between Trey Turner and no, Xander Bogarts? No, no. Uh, I, I love Baez, but I mean, Trey Turner is, is the obvious choice here. Just. He's uh, more consistent. He's a little bit more disciplined at the plate, from what I remember. 
Um, stolen bases alone puts his value way up there. Not that Vise is a oh. bad pick. He's a top – for me, he's like a top six or seven pick for me uh, at shortstop. Um, yeah. But I had to go with Trey Turner on this one. But yeah. it's interesting that uh, Kerry mentioned all the things about Javier Vise that he mentioned because it's like he's reading my mind. That's exactly it with him. Uh, most exciting player in all of baseball in my book. Uh, uh, and uh, when you think he shouldn't be productive, he gets very productive. And I'm sorry, Sean, what were you, you going to say? I, I was saying that – my issue was between Trey Turner and Xander Bogarts. Mm, interesting. That, that was uh, – Trey Turner definitely in a categories or a roto league, but yeah. Xander Bogarts really felt like a pick that I could make over Trey Turner just because in the points league, I mean, the he has 100 more steals than Bogarts, which is huge. But yeah. the counting stats that kind of, you know, benefit you a little bit in a points league plus the better plate discipline, walks more – and strikes out slightly less. But there are two things that Trey Turner does really well as too. But um, I, I leaned towards Trey Turner, especially if it's a category. Because those stolen bases, you're not going to get anywhere else in baseball, really. Uh, Henry says to get off the Nemo Hill already, goddammit. No, I'm going to die here. Come take <laughs> me off of it. <laughs> uh, the last player that we haven't mentioned yet uh, is Fanuel Reyes, which he's on my team. I'm a huge fan of Fanuel Reyes. Uh, big power. Uh, yeah, I am big, too. Big, I, I wish I could have fit, fit him on here. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's so funny because in all my mock drafts, I always ended up with Fanuel Reyes, and I don't think I got him in any of my leagues, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so that sucked. But now, who did, who did you who did you kind of like? Who were you tossing? Or I mean, was he a lock for you, or was it kind of like you were tossing him up between some other uh, people? I don't remember it. Uh, let me see if I have him in my, in my other spreadsheet here. If I have any other guys. Oh, okay, still open. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, uh, JD Davis. You know, I'm, I'm pretty high on Kyle Schwarber this year too. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Let me make this a little bit bigger. There you go. Uh, yeah, and th- these are all based on Statcast numbers from last year. I don't know how I got. Let me see. I got this sorted by hard hit rate. Okay. So yeah, Fernando Reyes, Kyle Schwarber. Uh, Katie Davis, Mitch Moreland. No, that's a bet. Carlos Santana. We mentioned Carlos Santana uh, before you got here, Steve. Uh, Xander yeah. Borgarts would have been a good pick, but I, I, I'm in. I, I love Fabio Reyes' power potential. That's yeah. what I want. That's what I think about at my utility spot is someone who could just get is good for 30 to 35 home runs, which I believe uh, in Reyes that he could uh, supply that power. And and with Reyes, it we've seen him both in the minors and parts of his time in San Diego. He's going to be a huge power guy, but he's not going to be a batting average liability. He has pretty good, you know, mm-hmm. barrel awareness to the fact that he can get it on the ball. He's not going to strike out an enormous amount. So that, I think that plays even more towards Franmil Reyes. He could be a very much like J.D. Martinez is now, which would be lovely to see because if you get Franmil Reyes now and he turns into J.D. Martinez, that's really good value. <laughs> Yeah, big bonus. <laughs> uh, really quick, uh, just to uh, – because he mentioned them earlier. Oscar Mercado, you would have gotten the second fastest player on this list, Steve. If, uh, in terms I'll of tell you, I had – man, he came in huge for me at the end of last season, got him off the waiver wire, and, man. Everybody but just he, comes up big for you. He's just not uh, – he doesn't seem I, – I don't know, I couldn't – I mean, I like him, but, I mean, you know, reading up on him and stuff, I, he's – I mean, I, I think he's due for a little bit of regression. I, I don't know. I don't know if I buy into him completely as a five-tool guy. Yeah, I think if you are looking for stolen bases in a five outfielder league, he's definitely a guy to grab. But yeah. in, a, in a format like this, it's just a three outfielder league with the guys he's going up against. I think he just falls short of the bar there. 
Yeah. And, and Victor Robles is another guy that I had in my 10 or top 10 or 11 guys that I, I think him and Mercado are those late rounds. Still, well, Robles is going insanely early, it seems like. But they are those, you know, speedy outfielders that are going to give you more stolen bases than anything. What do you guys – I mean, what do you guys take on Robles? I mean, I, I – when, when, when he was coming up, I, I thought, okay, this guy's going to be some. But I don't know. I, I don't know if I buy into his – I don't buy the bat. <laughs> me, me, me neither. That, that's the, the defense and at. speed are great, but the bat I'm just not sure is going to translate. Um, yeah. right, doesn't... Let's keep in mind, he's only 23 years old, you guys. I mean, hey, you hey Juan Soto's 22. Flavor <laughs> 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 Torres is 22. Come on now. Eight so ages in an Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. Um, I was doing my best Joe Buck impersonation. Work, we need to work on it. You need to get rid of that southern accent before you can get to. Did you know season. that he's only 21 years old? Oh, that's man. Uh, it's, I can still hear your Alabama. <laughs> Sorry, dude. But that's a good try, though. I, I'll give you credit. Um, no, I mean, he, he's fast. He's athletic. I, I think, I don't know what, what his uh, overall numbers are going to look like, but if he gets 15 home runs uh, and, and that's all he does is just hit 15 home runs and steal 25 bases, you, you should be happy with that. I think people just, he's a, prospect so every, every prospect gets hyped up uh fairly or unfairly but if you just treat him for the player that he is a speedy center fielder you should be satisfied with the player that you get out of him and at 23 years old i mean if anything now's the time to buy low on the guy uh, i feel like i would take ian hap over victor robles oh god why would wow. you do that to yourself in, in, wow. in a roto league I, I think i would steve would you take ian hap over victor robles no, no. I mean, he's a cub. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, you know, I, he's I'll tell you what. That was so fast, too. I'll tell you, you know, no, Victor, Victor, Rob- I'm taking Victor Robles over him, but I, I just don't like where Victor Robles is going in drafts. And I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not coming near him. <laughs> I mean, the way, where he's going at, I should say. Yeah, that, that, that's another oh, issue with I feel like he was me. going late in all of my drafts, honestly. I feel like he was going very late. People just kind of forgot about him. And every every comment was the same. Oh, my God, Victor Robles was still available. Oh, geez. And I think uh, – I mean, I think we believe – I believe that term is called a full-size sleeper. Yeah, I, well, I, we'll I think see. it's like <laughs> everyone agrees that Robles is going a little bit too early according to, like, consensus ADPs. And so, like, the drafts that we're in – it's like he falls and he falls. And it's like you're waiting for someone to reach out there and just, ah, I finally got him. Mm-hmm. Before we move on to uh, pitching, uh, let's talk about Steven a little bit. I mean, we've got him in here because he is a defending champ of the Mardi Gras Madness League. Um, and uh, just wanted to get his thoughts on this upcoming season as the defending champ. Um, well, um, I mean, if second uh, season in the league, Dusty. Go ahead. No, I think I think it's the third, third or fourth. I I don't know. I uh, I ended up um, taking over the team and then had to make a lot of moves um, to get it more <laughs> to get it where I needed it to be. But uh, made it made it made it here. Um, but it um, it, it it's actually, it's a very competitive league. I love it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've been able to build – with the five keepers and the two minor leaguers, uh, I've been able to build a nice young core. So, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pretty happy about that. Um, Who were your five keepers and your two minor leaguers coming into this 2020 uh, Ooh, can I guess? Can I guess? Uh, yeah, here, go ahead. Let him guess. Acuna, <laughs> yep. Bellinger, yep. Rendon. Yep. Your, uh, and let me see his pitchers. I think uh-huh. he kept one – I'm going to guess he kept one pitcher. 
I kept two. I'll make it easy. Oh, you kept two pitchers, so I got one hitter wrong. Um, Castillo and Flaherty, and then he didn't oh. keep Hero. Right on the money, yeah. Right you, on the you money. D- you didn't keep Hero? You, you drafted Hero? No, I drafted him. In, uh, okay. Yeah, I, I drafted him, but – I had J.D. Martinez, and I and I had him the last couple years. I wanted to hold on to him, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try. I'm I'm going to hold on to two pitchers here, and unfortunately, he uh, J.D. got got uh, drafted before I could get back to him. But I'm still I'm pretty comfortable where I'm at. I I was actually shocked that some you guys went over the draft. I was shocked at some of the picks. I was like, okay, hey, listen, <laughs> you want you want to help me out? All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were helping you by giving you draft picks, and then helping you by making the dumb <laughs> draft picks that they made. So. Yeah, yeah uh, Solaire. I, I, I love Solaire. That's a um, great replacement for JD. Yeah, I uh, shoot. Uh, who else? Um, Polanco. Polanco, you know what? I, I didn't realize the stats he was putting up until like the end of last year. I looked at him I'm like, oh, wow, this guy, this guy, this guy's uh, putting up some numbers. So I don't know. I, I don't know if he's going to stay at that clip, but I mean, <laughs> who knows? Him and Eduardo Escobar, I always confuse, and I always, like, the last three years have put up solid seasons, and no one talks about them. Eddie no, Rosario, yeah. too. Yeah, Eddie Rosario. Oh, God. It's, stop confusing me. It's the same player, honestly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Has anyone yeah. seen Jorge Polanco, <laughs> Eduardo Escobar, and Eddie Rosario in the same room? I don't think so. That's hilarious, because I swear I, 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 confuse, this. <laughs> I confuse them the same. Yeah, um, the twins, man. All they do is just uh, – they build up the same player out of their farm system, honestly. Go ahead, Steve. Uh, oh, no, I was just going to say, and so going into the draft two pitching-wise, uh, for the minor leaguers, I got Lazardo, who, if we ever play baseball, I believe is going to crack the starting rotation with Oakland. So I felt like I already had a one-up. It was almost like having a six-keeper because, you know, I, I have now another pitcher going who who should be pretty solid, at least from what he's shown. Um, and then uh, – I just I'm waiting on on the great Wander Franco to come up, but that's probably a year or two off. How long ago did you get uh, Franco and Adams here minor league slot? Uh, not last year, the year before. I, at the end okay. of the year before, I, I okay. was looking around and I picked them up. I knew it was going to be a while, but I think I think it'll be worth the wait from what they're saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he ends the season at AAA this year. Um, yeah. Uh, I actually I worked for the the Rays minor or in the Rays minor league system and I'm I'm mad because I was living in Montgomery where he's going to start off the season this year when if when it's if and when it starts um, uh, and I'm so mad that I moved and now I went from being able to being paid to go to games to not being able to see them at all. <laughs> it's, it, it, this this has been brutal. Uh, even in our league, we were talking about postponing the draft and. Uh, I was like, no, please, please don't. We, we just, just, just give me some baseball. Give me some baseball. I, I was pushing for a slow draft, and uh, that's one thing I, I, uh, I kind of wasn't paying attention to the chatter. Uh, as the slow draft that Sean and I did this past uh, March, early March, late February, uh, spoiled me. Uh, it, it, the chatter went too fast. I couldn't keep up with it. I was so focused on making sure I got the players that I wanted. That I, did anything interesting, was anything interesting said in that chat, uh, Steve? Were you paying attention to the chat? No, you know what? It, it was actually re- very quiet. And, and for the first year, okay. it didn't take like eight hours because people were making mistakes, <laughs> stopped, go back. That This draft went so seamless. It was it was crazy. I, I couldn't believe how fast we were done. Well, I, we, I was this close to stopping the draft. Like, I didn't want Michael Conforto or Hunter Dozier, I was going to say. But I'm like, you know what? Uh, this draft sucks. I, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but, hey, I was shocked. I was shocked we were going through it. And I, I had shed, I, I had sent something out maybe. I forget what round it was. But I looked up and I looked at your team because I have to pay attention to what you're doing. Um, and I was like, 
you were pitch, dude. You had like your whole roster. You had one hitter and like eight pitchers at, at one point. It was it was ridiculous. I was like, wow, you went pitching heavy. Yeah, uh, I well, I mean, I'm, I'm traumatized from last year because all my pitchers disappeared last year, and all my closers got arrested or injured or <laughs> lost their jobs. And, um, That's right. That, which you know, the good thanks for bringing that up because I was going to ask you to to segue into your team again. Um, are you not concerned about the lack of pitching that you got? You're only going with seven pitchers. I'm assuming you're going to be picking up pitchers throughout the year, but that, that's really low for our league. Are you not concerned about that? No, you know what? Honestly, a lot of times, and, and, and in some of my other leagues too, I I tend not to, you know, and, and if you notice, I, I don't worry about the closers either. I, I like playing, like, so I'll find somebody on there that's probably not living up to too much and I'll, or maybe even a hitter. And I really like rotating guys out based on matchups. I, I love spot starting guys for weeks on, on different matchups. And it, it, it works pretty well for me. I mean, there's, I mean, when it goes bad, it goes bad. But, uh, <laughs> but you were going to give up last year. You were giving up last year. Um, I almost, well, yeah, because I was right on the cusp of being knocked out. And I said, listen, if I don't win this, you know, these are the guys on the block. And it, it just so happened to tilt my way. And you know what? Even in the playoffs, so I'm not going to lie, I got lucky. Because did I play you? That was when your closure went down. Uh, oh, um, I don't, I don't remember you. I, I don't think I played you. Something uh, happened. Um, but, and then one of the other guys I played, um, yeah, they just had a terrible break where it's one guy, he, he, he got his start pushed back uh, out of the week. Yeah. Uh, his closure was, was shut down. Um, yeah. So, I mean, a, a little bit of luck played into it, but. Well, I mean, uh, Primo always says our, our buddy Primo, who's a Phillies fan, he's in this league. He's been in this league from the very beginning. He'll tell you it's all about luck at the end. I mean, not Andrew <laughs> luck, but just luck, luck, luck. <laughs> Captain Andrew Luck, Captain Andrew Luck, one of the best Twitter pages out there. Shout out! But yeah, in, in a points league, you, you talked about you know playing matchups. In a points league, there is especially looking at the guys that get two starts. Uh, yes, it compared yes. to a categories league where you're worried about a guy having one great start and then just bombing and ruining your ratios. Uh-huh. It's in a points league. There's no real downside, and so you hunt out those guys that have two starts in a week or are playing the Marlins, Orioles, or Tigers, and then just kind of stream those guys as you go. That's a great strategy. I'm not sure how I, – I would feel very queasy about not having one relief pitcher. Um, but it yeah, is a points I, league, so, I mean, you're just going for the, the most amount of points available. Yeah. But, I had um, Azuna – I had Azuna at the beginning of this year or last year, and uh, he man, he went he went he went nuts for a couple of a couple of uh, a weeks, and then all of a sudden I went like three or four weeks with nothing. I said, man, I'm I'm done, I'm done. I traded him. We got, <laughs> two years we got in a row. I've had Azuna. He's the guy. Like when uh, Hater went off the board, but the last two years, and then it was Hater and Hater Diaz and Oakland guy uh, Trinan in eighteen. Mm-hmm. And then this year was Hader, Hendricks, and Yates. And once I saw those three guys go, I said, oh, yep, time to get Roberto Ozuna, and that would be my <laughs> next pick. And I just get him in every single draft once those three guys go, and I've never been disappointed. Yeah. Uh, Steve, another question for you. You were talking about uh, you like to stream pitchers. Does that also include getting uh, as many two-star pitchers as possible? I mean, how often do you utilize the two-star pitcher strategy that is very popular in this league? I try to use it a lot, but I'm also not going to just – if the matchups aren't right, like I'm, I'm not just putting guys out there to put guys out there. I'll take a guy that's got one start in a nice matchup against the Tigers versus a guy who's going up against, uh, I don't know, the Yankees and, and, and the, the, uh, the Cubs. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I, it, it, does, it, it does play a part, but I'm, I, just because he's got two starts, I'm not, I'm not rolling with him over a guy that's got one in a good matchup. 
Uh, follow up, another question for you. Why the two catchers? You got both Yasmani Grandal and uh, Tom Murphy. What, what's the logic behind that? You know what? I, I, I like Murphy, um, and he was mm -hmm. just sitting there. And honestly, the, <laughs> I was looking at the board at the time. I forget what round I got him in, and I was like, yeah, you know what? Because uh, Yasmani, I mean, catchers, I mean, he should, for the most part, stay healthy when you consider that he is uh, – he's. Um, I mean, he should be rotating out of first base DH with the White Sox. But if anything were to happen, catchers are, are kind of at a premium. So Murphy is, should be starting now, and I, I like his power. I mean, yeah. I think he, he would fill in nicely if needed. And, uh, Sean, that's the guy we were talking about. That's the guy that you like. Uh, yeah, crazy hard-hit numbers. Um, yes. he, I will be wary of him because last year he was in that platoon kind of timeshare with Omar Narvaez. And one thing Murphy's always done is crush left-handed uh, left pitching from the minors up. And so it worked out perfectly. Narvaez as the lefty would hit right-handers, and then Murphy would sub in. And so his numbers are kind of boosted because he faced predominantly left-handed pitching. It'll be interesting to see how he adjusts to a full load and having to face both sides. But, uh, yeah, the power is legit. It's just he really struggles against same-handed pitching. Yeah. Interesting. Um, let's see here. Well, I mean, other than that, I mean, this is a pretty solid lineup. It's I love this team. It's a really good built team. Um, I know no, that's hard for you to say. Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> shit. When everybody's giving you like all these goddamn picks, I mean, I mean, yeah, you better take advantage of them. And you did. Um, I'm, just, I'm more mad at my league for you know just giving you all these players apparently. So. Well, I didn't. I didn't have a first round pick. I traded that last year. I had one. I, I think I had one second round pick, but then I had like three third round picks, a fourth. And, and honestly, I didn't expect to get some of what I got. I was just shocked at the way the draft went overall. I mean, th there were yeah. some that were going. I was like, wow, like, I mean, let teach their own, but like Mike's team uh, balls out. I, I, he had all them first round picks and I was like, oh my, like I, yeah. this is what we're doing. <laughs> he, he took a lot of chances. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Matt Bush and I, I was talking to him the whole night and we were like, just, what is he doing? Why is he, this is what. <laughs> He got all these first round, second round picks, and this is how he's spending them. Anyway, uh, the only other week I was going to mention the only weakness I, is the lack of pitching depth. But like you said, you have a plan in place to take care of that. So happy that we were able to talk about your team. Let's go back to our original scheduled program <laughs> and talk about these obscure lineups uh, with the pitching. That's where we left off on your team. That's where we'll start on this one. Uh, to, uh, Jacob DeGrom, Cy Young Award winner. He's the consensus uh, number one pitcher here. Um, Back is to up? back. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, Sean's favorite guy right there. Uh, is there – I mean, it's Jacob DeGrom. I mean, is there any – Sean, let me ask you this. Is there something we don't know about Jacob DeGrom that, that, that you can tell us about him right now? Um, That's fantasy relevant. Um, other yeah, than, at this point, I'll take I anything mean, at this point. He's a really good hitter. <laughs> I mean, he's – for a pitcher, he's a pretty good hitter. But in terms of fantasy, it's like – He's just – the last two years, it seems he's just morphed into, like, the Terminator, which is kind of the nickname. He has the Degrominator. There's shirts and everything made. It's like he goes out onto the mound. It's It kind of reminds me of how Scherzer was for a couple of years and still is. He gets on the mound and just, like, turns into, like, this robot pitching machine that is just out there to strike you out, get you out, and that's it. And there's no – there's no metrics that really show that, hey, he's due for some regression, maybe a, a little bit. But even like in the rabbit ball, his home run to fly ball percentage was still, you know, slightly below league average. But when you miss bats and induce weak contact like he does, you would expect that to be the same as well. But 
he's a consensus. I, I, I pick him. I haven't picked him in a draft yet, but if I had the eight, seventh or eighth pick and he was there, I would pick him. I mean, there, there's not much to say. No, I mean, I have he's so good. Yeah, he's one of those few pitchers where, like, he takes the ball. I mean, you, 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 you think, I mean, okay, the other teams, they're, they're scoring one or two runs. That's about it. I mean, it, it's just a lock. I mean, it, there's nothing more to say. It's like if you come to a Sunday and you have a couple of players that are facing uh, DeGrom on the mound and you need, like, three home runs from the guys, you're like, you're shit like I'm not gonna get those three home runs I'm gonna lose the matchup it's like one of those guys you don't want to see your fantasy players going up against no on a Sunday (laughs) when everything's on the line and you're trying to win it moving on to the second pitcher you both have Max Scherzer I do not for the simple fact that he's getting older um those injuries are starting to pile up on him um yeah I just uh it's one of those times where it's like he was this up. Now it's the down swing of things. And I went with uh, Shane Bieber in this spot. Um, I was going to say, who's Sean? Who, Sean Bieber? Shan, Shan Bieber. Uh, that's uh, Justin's uh, brother, I think. Um, so, yeah, you two have Max Scherzer. I got Shane Bieber. And, uh, Sean, you and I have Shane Bieber. Yes. Uh, so I explained why I don't have Max Scherzer. Steve, why don't you have Shane Bieber on your team like all the rest of us? So I actually, uh, ironically, I had him on the championship team last year. Um, yeah. <laughs> the thing about, you know what, he's, um, I, I was I was reading up on him a little bit, and, uh, you know, he, he gives up a lot of hard contacts from home runs. So, I mean, he's, I, I'm, I'm not sold. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm still waiting for, I, I don't know what I'm waiting for, but maybe about another, another solid year put under, under his belt where I can then put him in the category above the guys I pick. But, I mean, he's definitely right there, but I'm just not totally sold. I, I I I don't know. I, I think I think there's going to be a little bit of regression. I don't know if he's going to be that ace. And I agree with some of what Steve has said. And you look at Shane Bieber's baseball savant page, and it doesn't blow you away. It's actually pretty lackluster and makes you uh, scared to draft him. But when you kind of look at his more traditional numbers and compare it to what he's done already in the majors to what he's done in the minors – uh, he doesn't walk guys. He lives in and around the strike zone. And when you take that into context and put it to his, you know, the advanced like batted ball metrics, a pitcher that stays in the zone more is going to get hit harder. But he yeah. still he still misses bats. Um, he had the best strikeout to walk ratio, I think, of any of the guys that I had as the top 10 pitchers. He had a, a 1.72 walks per nine, which was the most by, uh, I think, 0.3 or something crazy. Um, there is worry that he's going to live in the zone too much and get hit hard, but I, I still think he has enough weapons. He's a great pitch sequencer, has a great curve, great changeup, that he is an, does enough to keep hitters just kind of guessing at what he's going to throw, um, and he eats innings. He's in his first, second full year, and he's already throwing like three, two or three complete games. Terry Francona lets him runs out there for seven, eight innings at a time. It's yeah, great, in, great yeah, great in points leagues. I mean, in a year and a half, he's already thrown 329 innings, which is a lot. <laughs> he, he actually he actually strikes out more people than I realize because, like you said, his stuff doesn't jump off the screen. Uh, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. His, yeah, his strikeouts are a little bit higher than I, I had I had actually realized. Yeah, it has a higher K per nine than uh, Patrick Corbin, and the same K per nine mm-hmm. as fellow teammate Mike Clevenger, 10.31. 
Yeah. Two, oh, he was my number 11th pitcher. Uh, I remember now. Uh, so just outside the top 10. Um, what was I going to say? To Steve's point, I understand the, the awareness of him because – of all the uh, of all the things that he mentioned, but remember, this guy was not supposed to be this good. He was just supposed to be a mid rotation starter. Uh, he was just kind of like a, a meh. Uh, you know, when you read a scout baseball America, he's just a nice pitcher, but not this good of a pitcher. So I can see why uh, Steve might hesitate with that. Um, but he's if he's gonna be that pitcher that is going to be nearly ace like I. I have no choice but to go with it at this point. That's that's my logic. He's um, very much a results over process pitcher. And yeah. if you, like when he yeah. like you said when he came up through the minors, scouts really weren't crazy about him. But he was putting up like these outrageous numbers, like uh, his walk numbers in the minors in 2017 and 2018: 0.83 per nine, 0.29 per nine walks. I mean, he doesn't walk guys. Yeah. And I think that if you're not shooting yourself in the foot and putting base runners on that when you do run into the occasional gopher ball, it's not going to hurt as much as if you were walking guys left and right. So I think that's the redeeming factor of Shane Beaver. Moving on to you, Darvish. Um, great second half, uh, kind of a redemption story. Um, I don't know. Uh, is there anything uh, – let's start with Steve this time. Anything you want to add to you, Darvish, that we don't know about him already? No, I mean, I, I think you, uh, I, I don't know. I, I actually think this guy is going to wind up, uh, I, I think he's, he's, he's on, on the verge of a really good year. I thought he actually pitched way better than I anticipated he would. Um, mentally, I mean, obviously the mental, the mental uh, problem that we had, uh, maybe he's over that now that he realizes that when he was with the Dodgers, the Astros were banging garbage cans. I don't know. <laughs> hey, but, this um, is Dong City. We don't talk about that here. <laughs> But um, no, I, I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, from, from how he, he pitched last year, I don't know. I, I just, I, honestly, I'm operating more on gut here. My gut, I, I just feel like the guy's going to have a really nice year. And I feel like, you know what, the division, I mean, Cincinnati got better. St. Louis is about the same. Milwaukee didn't get much better. Uh, the Pirates are the Pirates. Uh, you know, I, he's going to have some favorable matchups too. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, uh, as I'm kind of, fiddling wrong with my spreadsheets here. Uh, oh, yeah, that's Henry's – I believe that's Henry Maldonado, our fearless leader over at Baseball Life, that, and also a member of Dong City. But I believe that is his uh, NL Cy Young Award winner for 2020 if we ever do get a season kicked off. That, he predicted that that would be the, his go-to for Cy Young. I don't know if he's changed his mind already or not, but I remember him saying that, and for all the reasons you just mentioned. Uh, Sean, anything else you want to add to you, Darvish, before we move it was, on? That was, like, the most Jekyll and Hyde season I've ever seen a pitcher have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it was, like, the first two months you would look at his uh, outings, and it was, like, six walks, seven walks. And I'm just like, you, Darvish, has never had issues like this. I mean, he was always a slightly higher in terms of walks, but that was just because – he had so much movement on a lot of his pitches. He was always pitching two strike guys out. Yeah. But And then in the second half, it's like the first two months, walks per nine of 6.9 and 5.2. And then in July and August, walks per nine of 0.5 and 0.29. Like it, yeah. in, part of it seems like, you know, things balance, peaks and valleys. And I want to say I believe it obviously I have him in my top five, 
But I don't think he's exactly what we saw in the second half. But he's also mm-hmm. not what we saw in the first half either. He's way so better than he was in the first half, yeah. Yeah, that's why I have him ranked at number 20. I don't know if you guys saw the other spreadsheet that I had uh, open, but I had him I'll tell you, 20. though, we also – we're. I mean, and I'm, I'll am i be the first to tell you, I, I've always been uh, a Joe Madden hater. Um, he uh, – <laughs> You got, you got, you got, you got Ross coaching now, so I'm, maybe he manages that pitching uh, staff a little bit better too. You know, <laughs> hey, 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 he's a catcher; a he knows pitchers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who, right? It, it makes sense, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean, no, I mean, you're right. I mean, if anybody should know, it'd be David Ross. But again, he also comes in with zero uh, years of experience yeah. as any coach. I mean, the last few years he was what Dancing with the Stars and. Uh, <laughs> The whole, oh, Did he, was uh, yes. he really on Dancing with the Stars? Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. And, 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 I did and not he know went that. pretty far because these Cub fans kept voting for him. <laughs> well, it's the same reason why uh, uh, Emmett Smith has won it, even though he has no rhythm. It's these Cowboy fans, they're loyal to a fault. <laughs> the um, Cubs are ruining Dancing with the Stars. Heard they it are. first. <laughs> Hashtag that. I, I like how we're arguing over uh, somebody having rhythm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you Darvish had plenty of that uh, last year in the second half. Uh, that is for sure. That. Speak, and you know who had rhythm the entire year, though, last year? Uh, Steven Strasburg. And that's yeah. one where Steven and I uh, have him on our lineup. I know I had him in my, on my team. I, I think both of my teams last year. Not Sean. He will nope. continue to ride that I hate Steven Strasburg uh, coach wagon. And Why I, have, hate him so much? I have absolutely no reason to hate him. His numbers <laughs> are good. It's just one of those I feel like at any point his arm is going to fall off. Like, I know he, I know he's already had the Tommy John and he's actually kind of it, his velocity has already come down over the last few years that no one's really talked about. Um, the contract that Washington gave him was absurd. I, I know they yeah. did it. I, I think they were thinking more of their hearts than their heads. But with the World Series, I mean, granted, we haven't started a season yet. I, I would have been worried about a World Series hangover, you know, all the innings that he pitched. But if it's a shortened season, that might not, you know, influence as much. But it's just I, I honestly I'd like Patrick Corbin over Steven Strasburg. Ooh. Oh yeah. wow. Uh, okay. So you go from one guy who's not relying on his fastball anymore to another guy who's not relying on his fastball anymore. But Patrick it's, Corbin didn't do it because he's I mean he he's went, throwing like, more he breaking went, pitches though. Went, Colonel he, Corbin yeah, is throwing yeah, more breaking yeah, pitches. Yeah, his slider he threw like forty seven forty seven percent of the time. But when you well, have let's not worry about you, his arm, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but you should be throwing your best pitch. In in Strasburg, it's just I don't know. Uh, he should be. He he's like Chris Bryant. He should be on there. I just don't trust him. Steve, why do you trust him then? I mean, I I just I've always felt that you know what um, he he came back off the injury, and then you know you you watched him, and again he's another guy that I feel like I feel like he's I don't know like he's younger than he is because he was he was hurt off and on. Um, but watching him, uh, you know, in, in the World Series and everything, I mean, again, I, I got a little bit better look at him and things like that. And I understand the injury concerns. But um, when, to me, when you just look at a whole of who we had to choose from, uh, he, he definitely is in the top five for me. And I'm, I've been a, a big fan of this since ever since I can remember. By the way, he's 31 years old. Uh, like, again, like Steve mentioned, it, it feels like it's an old 31. But Yeah, he's going to turn uh, 32 again, in, like during the summer. And that contract, uh, that contract was ridiculous. I mean, the, the, the Nationals basically paid him when paid him a ton of money when he wasn't worth it, and now that he finally is kind of coming to worth it, now they overpay him. I mean, that contract is nuts. Can you imagine having a 39-year-old Steven Strasburg on your team? 
I don't want to know. I mean, granted, I could see him be like turning into Justin Verlander, and at 37, he's throwing harder than he's ever thrown before. I wouldn't doubt that. But at the same time, just like knowing his history, is like I don't want to see what a 38 year old Steven Strasburg looks like, especially at especially at 25 million a year. Yeah, well, that's that's the <laughs> landscape of baseball, though. I mean, this is something Matt Bush and I talk about, and this is something that Sean and I we talked about. I mean, Jacob Degrom is like 31 years old. Justin Verlander's top three. Uh, this is before the injury, by the way, but still, before the injury, he was a top three starting pitcher. He's older than dirt. Walker Bueller, people don't trust Walker Bueller because he's too young, and we don't know when his arm is going to fall off. Uh, Strasburg's top seven. Scherzer is still top eight, and people love Max. You guys love Max Scherzer more than I do, and you have him on your list. And he's Max Scherzer's a robot. Charlie Morton okay. is thirty-seven Listen, years old. Scherzer, Scherzer is a bulldog. I mean, yes. listen, in the not I, last I, year. I keep listen. I keep going back to the World Series. I know, but listen, that dude in that last game, it was like, look, I ain't got nothing in the tank. I got nothing to offer. I'm just gonna keep throwing fastballs, and if you hit him, you hit him. And he just attacked, 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 and somehow okay. he survived. I mean, okay, he, well, he still threw one hundred and seventy innings. Okay, well, Strasburg won the MVP without laboring as much as Scherzer did. I mean, that's all I'm saying. If you guys are talking about Strasburg being over the hill, he's only 31 years old, uh, and it's worth it because guess what? Here's a secret nobody wants to talk about. Nobody in baseball is developing starting pitchers like they should. Everybody's (laughs) going through Tommy John surgery. Everybody's getting hurt. Look at this list. It's all old farts. (laughs) <laughs> and then there's this Shane Beaver motherfucker who, who he shouldn't even be a top 11 pitcher, but somehow he makes it because he's so damn good at command. Noah Syndergaard got Tommy John surgery. So, I mean, all this talk about, oh, Strasburg, he's, uh, he's an old 31, but he's a young 31. And, uh, it's a ridiculous contract. The reason he got paid, the same reason that Gary Cole got paid, nobody's developing starting pitching. So you go with the sure thing, which is Steven Strasburg. A sure thing. I mean, sure is a sure thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, you can't deny the numbers from last year and the last couple of years. I mean, look at his three-year averages, and Strasburg's there with anybody. He's, he's near damn elite. I mean, he's a top ten pitcher. You can't even deny. You cannot deny that he's a top ten pitcher this year. Steven Strasburg is. No, I wouldn't argue that. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Anyway, let's move on. I mean, for God's sake, Clayton Kershaw number fourteen. People have more faith in Clayton Kershaw than they do at Steven Strasburg. Come on, you guys. I know. I I would pick Strasburg over Kershaw. I okay. I, yeah. I won't go that far. We yeah. have diplomacy. Here. <laughs> we have we, we, last we, we all agree. rotation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think speaking of all, uh, being acquiescence with each other, Mike Clevenger uh, to round out this top five. I think he'd be higher on this list uh, if, if it wasn't for that knee injury. But let's face it, even with as soon as he comes back, he should just shoot all the way to the top. Uh, I love Mike Clevenger. I I mean you, Sean. So I talked to you about this for our for, yeah. for the Mardi Gras league. I, and I had uh, Steve, and I, I, I tell you, I was talking to Sean about it, and like, there's a really good chance that this balls out guy is not going to get Mike Clevenger. And when he doesn't get Clevenger, I'm, I'm getting Clevenger. <laughs> and that's exactly how it happened. He was and super Clevenger, excited to get him. Clevenger was on my team last year, yes, and I, I had to, I had to, I had to, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't pull the trigger to keep him after that injury. And so, but I'll tell you what, last year he had that injury. Um, what was it? Was his back or something? The guy was out for for it seemed like forever. It was then he his comes back, back. Yeah. Yeah, he comes back and, I mean, and was just ridiculous. Yeah, there's another guy who just kind of uh, went from being a, an obscure nobody to – and I don't know how much you, you want to give credit to, to uh, Trevor Bauer or whatever, or if uh, maybe he always had it and he just needed a little bit more seasoning in the majors, but he just kind of turned things around the last year or so where he has become one of the more dependable starting pitchers in all of Major League Baseball. Sean, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying that, you know, Mike Clevenger is kind of – 
that that Cleveland rotation is solid. And the one guy that didn't make my list that I probably could have put in instead of in front of like a James Karinchik or Workman is Carlos Carrasco. Uh, yeah. He's going to have both starting pitching and relief pitching eligibility this year, I believe. Um, him and Eduardo Rodriguez are two guys that are in this group of guys that we're not going to talk about just because of how strong starting pitching was with these teams. But Eduardo Rodriguez really kind of had a breakout in the second half last year. ERA under three, uh, pretty good ratios, started throwing more two-seamers, kind of zagging when everyone's zigging. And mm-hmm. he experienced more success. He was pitching to contact more. And in that same vein, he was kind of like Marcus Stroman, another guy that, of course, all of these guys that we listed are going to be some of the first pitchers off the board. But Stroman, Rodriguez, Carrasco, those are still guys you can target that are still being successful. Stroman's not going to get the strikeouts. The other two guys will. But in terms of ratios, he's still going to protect them pretty well. Let's uh, quickly get through this because I didn't realize we were already at over the one-hour mark. Let's try to get this done in the next five or ten minutes or so. Uh, what we're going to do is I'm just going to go round up my relief core with uh, Edwin Diaz, Brad Hand, James Karinchek. Is that how you say his name? Uh, Karinchek. I've heard Karinchek and Karinchek. I'm not really sure which one's right. Karinchek and Tanner Rainey. Uh, Edwin Diaz, he's just – even in his at his worst, he still should be the best uh, uh, reliever on this list. Brad Hand because he has the opportunity to – Close out for the time being, but that's why I got Karanchek too, right? As my backup. Yep. And Tanner Rainey, I think when it's all said and done, I think Sean Doolittle is going to just be relegated to the uh, late inning assassin. And uh, who's the other guy? Daniel Hudson. Uh, he's going to get hurt, and it'll be Tanner Rainey time. Steve, let's go with you really quick. Uh, why don't you round out your relief pitcher and lightning round style here? Yeah, Edwin Diaz, obviously. I mean, the guy, I mean, his stuff is electric. Uh, Brad Hand. Cleveland, uh, yeah, I, I think he'll, he'll hold on to that role. Uh, and like you said, the opportunities there. Plus, with their starting pitching, I just feel like games should be close, hopefully. Um, Doolittle, I did not like that pick at all. But uh, I, looking at everybody else, I said nobody's really got any pedigree that's proven, so we're going to stick with Doolittle. And Kimbrell, oh. I, I mean, I know why you didn't pick Kimbrell, because you burned the hell out of the Cubs last year. But um, <laughs> I kind of feel like – I don't know. I mean, it was on a short season. I'm, I'm really thinking the guy – the, the guy bounces back this year. I, I have to imagine he bounces back. I, I, I just don't see him being as awful as he was. And then, Sean, quick, uh, speaking of bounce back, I want you to focus on Edwin Diaz right now. Um, do you have faith in him bouncing back and becoming the Edwin Diaz we all love in Seattle? I, you might not get the Edwin Diaz you got in Seattle, but you're, oh, you're, sure, you're sure as hell not going to get the Edwin Diaz you saw last year for the Mets. Uh, in all of baseball, there were only two guys that had a better K per nine than Edwin Diaz, and that was Josh Hader and Matt Barnes, who could have been picked by us, but yeah. uh, we, we overlooked him. He has some walk issues. But it's like Edwin Diaz, he had a, a 5.59 ERA, but an XFIP of 3.07. Over two and a half run difference. It's just he didn't walk more guys. The strikeouts were still there. They're actually better than they were two years ago. It's just he had a, a, a scary high home run to fly ball percentage, uh, tw- almost 27%. So nearly a third of the balls that went in the air were home runs, just gone. Bro. And wow. there has been talk of, you know, kind of it's more of a psychological thing, but. I don't think it's psychological that 27% of your fly balls exit the ballpark. That just seems like terrible yeah. luck. Like, and, and for how good of his stuff is, he, he did miss over the middle more, which lends some credence to, you know, why he gave up the home runs. 
But when you whiff bats like he can, he had a 377 BABIP. Like, that doesn't make sense. None of what happened to him last year made sense, aside from the fact that it just fell apart. And he, he just that, looked uh, okay. defeated and downtrodden. To cut you off, uh, sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. Um, uh, there was a, a report that the Mets kind of messed this with his mechanics and whatever deception he had in Seattle uh, was not encouraged in New York. Is there any truth to that? Uh, I hadn't heard anything about, you know, like the windup or deception. Um, I do know that when Dave Island was let go as the pitching coach, Phil Regan uh, took over and they worked on his slider grip a little bit more because he said he was having issues with the slider much as Noah Syndergaard was in terms of kind of like leaving it over the middle. It wasn't finishing off, breaking out of the zone. Um, they switched the slider grip over to what uh, DeGrom had, has had the last few years, and he, he did get more swings and misses. Let's move over to Craig Kimbrell. Uh, I, I mean, Steve alluded to why I didn't pick him, but I, you know, he's up there in age. Uh, it didn't look pretty last year. I mean, that's part of it as well, but I just um, – I, mean, I still – a top 10 relief pitcher just because of opportunity i i just don't really want to spend that capital on craig kimbrell do you want to spend that kind of capital on craig kimbrell sean i mean i'm going to here because it's a division contending team and he is a hall of fame level closer and i don't think he just disappears and goes out like that but there is still definitely some worry the velocity is fading um he's aging i mean he he's been a lot of years and pitches and saves on that arm. So it, it could be one of those guys that just, I mean, he falls apart. But at the same time, I kind of have faith that he's going to bounce back. And the, the no spring training thing, I know factored into it probably as well. So I'm, I'm counting on a bounce back from him too. Uh, you and I both have James Karinczak, um, 24-year-old, 24, 24 uh, just fastball blazing. Um, I honestly think he's next in line to be the closer in Cleveland. Uh, is that the way, same way you see it, Sean? Uh, him or Emmanuel Classe. I'm not, I, I think Classe might get the more save chances while uh, Karinczyk might get more of the, the fireman role, which would be a fantasy shame because this is a guy who, if you added all of his stops, uh, I think he played three levels in the minors and the majors last year, and he had like a 56% strikeout rate. Just other, it, it, it's crazy. He has a fastball. The fastball is like 95, 96, but well, a pretty good spin right on it. But the curveball is like, oh, it's silly. It, it, I watched him on minor or, or bleh, minor league baseball TV last year, and like seeing him go up against some of these minor leaguers just wasn't fair. Like he would throw a curveball that would bounce two feet in front of the plate, and they're swinging from their shoes at it. And oh, he, he he's really fun to watch. He's Steve, really. Uh, really I just want to ask him before I forget, Sean. Sorry about that, Steve. No, you're good. Uh, with all these, we're talking about these Indian pitchers. I'm suddenly not feeling too good about the White Sox chances this year. What do you think? Oh no no no, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Actually, we'll be uh, fine. Oh my god. <laughs> no, I look at that. I mean, I look at our division, and I'm like, well, uh, I mean, honestly, the Indians are are going to be there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I man. I, actually, the more we talk here and the more we've talked about the Indians, yeah, they look a little bit uh, like they're going to be tough. I, I don't know. I mean, really, honestly, I, I don't think there's going to be any question that the White Sox are going to hit. I think it actually comes more down to their pitching, but that's, I mean, because they're going to hit. I, I have no, no doubt about that. Okay, let me ask you this, Steve. With all that we, we just shared today, we still got the Twins uh, and, and a future episode. 
do you still think the White Sox are going to be able to win this? Division? I mean, first of all, do you have the White Sox winning the division uh, like everybody else or no? No, I, I haven't fallen just short. I, I, I actually, uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I know I'm probably in the minority, but I just don't feel like, I feel like the Twins pitching is not that great. I think that it, they, they, they overperformed last year. I know they're going to hit. Um, but I, I like, be, because of the pitching, the Indians, I think, are actually going to hang around a lot better than most people think. And I think they're going to take the division, and it's going to be a battle between the White Sox and the Twins. That's, right, well, that's kind of how I see it. So, what, wild card at least for the White Sox? Uh, I'm going to say th they'll be close. They'll be close. I'm not ready. Yes or no. Yes or no. Yes or no. I can't say yes or no. Yes, you can. Go to your head. Yes or no. <laughs> Just Go because, full Jack Bauer. <laughs> I mean, really, <laughs> you only have uh, – we, we – we have that, that starting pitching worries me. I, I don't know where it's gonna where it's gonna go. I don't know if guys are gonna step up. The 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 actually shortened season might help us because Kopech comes back, Rodon hopefully, you know, uh, m maybe maybe we can bank on that. But I'm just not sold on the starting pitching yet. All right. So it sounds like the White Sox are not making the playoffs according to Steve. All right. Uh, we got wow. speaking of White Sox, we'll go to the Red Sox. <laughs> I mean, you don't sound so sure. I mean. You, I mean, I, no. most White Sox, I, my, most White Sox fans I talk to, it's a foregone conclusion that this is See, it. But, 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 but that's why we can have baseball conversations. I'm a realist. Yeah. <laughs> a lot, a lot of, I mean, trust me, there's been a lot of Sox and Cubs fans. The stuff that I've been hearing from them, and I get in these debates, and I'm just like, what? what, what do you guys, are you guys even watching the same thing I'm watching? I mean, I, we, we don't even know if the White Sox prospects are going to do what we expect yeah. them to do. Thank you. I mean, thank you. We yeah. don't even know this. I mean, yeah, it looks great on paper, but we just don't know. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's an argument that we, I, I have a lot um, as people do assume that it's linear. I once mentioned it offhand, and this is before they signed uh, – who, who was it before they signed um, – this is after the Ismani Grandal uh, sig uh, signature. This is before they signed any pitcher. So this is before Dallas Keuchel and uh, Gio Gonzalez, where I kind of made an offhand remark, oh, they'll be – you know, if they win 83 wins, you should be happy. And, oh, my God, I could it was like the worst thing I could have said about the White Sox. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And, okay, now that they got Keiko, how many wins? Uh, eighty-six. Oh my God, you're so horrible. You're a horrible White Sox fan. Well, look we how many up. people. Look how many Sox fans were like. I mean, I have. I mean, and they're obviously passive White Sox. Oh, look, we got Keiko. We got an ace. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> there were Mets fans last year that were saying that the Mets needed to sign Dallas Keuchel and that Dallas Keuchel was better than both Noah Syndergaard and Zach Wheeler. So I understand oh, completely. Like oh, where the single fan or the single team fan groups come from, you, you hear some outlandish stuff. They said, "Oh, Dallas Keuchel has a Cy Young. What do Cindergard and Wheeler have?" And I was just like, "Oh, I don't have the energy to fight this." <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I mean, Keuchel, Keuchel's he's going to be a great three for us, and mm -hmm. an awesome three, an yeah. awesome three. And I love, I, I actually love the signing, but I also understand what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, he's there for veteran leadership. He's there for, yep. I mean, all the stuff that you can't, I mean, that you have to go out and spend money on, unfortunately, whether you, people want to admit to it or not. This is why you spend the big money on these older pitches who have, like, nothing. I mean, Keiko, I mean, say what you will about Steven Strasburg, Keiko has no velocity whatsoever. Nope. But what he, no. he makes up what for it, it in Guyland Crap. I'd like to know, I'd like to know what his velocity, I mean, what, the guy's probably only throwing 85. I don't even know what he tops on. It's about 88-ish. Well, Sean, go ahead. You can take sure. that over. Yeah, it's, it's you know, the, the sinker slider uh, he's really kind of ditched the changeup. The changeup used to be a really good plus pitch for him, but he, he's gone to more of a slider. The changeup's still there, but the sinker, I think, averages like 87. Like when he was with the Braves, okay. like he, he was topping out at like 88, 89. 
Like that was a, a good start. A live arm Dallas Keuchel. <laughs> So we, yeah. we go from one colored socks to the other. We'll finish up with the with the red socks here. Brandon Workman, that's your last guy. And before you start, I just want to make sure I have this thing open. No, that's the wrong. She okay. The sheet's open. I have the red socks as the 29th uh, best best 29 of 30 teams uh, uh, closer situation in Major League Baseball this year with both Brandon Workman and Matt Barnes. Uh, Steve, you'll remember I had Matt Barnes early last year. Never again. It's a yeah. whole Barnes and Brazier burned so many people. Oh, I had I had that guy too, Ryan Brazier, right? You're yeah, they burned Ryan? so many people last year. Listen, if if you didn't draft him, I was looking at him. I remember looking at him, and you 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 wound up with him. So thank you. <laughs> Who, Brandon Workman? No, no, Barnes or uh, Matt Barnes? No, I, yeah. I didn't get him. I, no, I, I I was avoiding the Red Sox. I mean, look at this, twenty nine out of thirty. Thought- I'm avoiding that, bro. No, <laughs> no. Uh, I'll tell you who got him, though. But go ahead, uh, Sean. Take over. Why'd you pick Brandon Workman, the 29th worst closer in Major League Baseball? Go ahead. Out. <laughs> he was one of those guys that, out of the fray of Workman, or not Workman, but he, you guys have confused me now. Lawrence <laughs> and Brazier. I mean, it was like a <laughs> foregone conclusion. One of them was going to win the closer role. And Barnes was still getting strikeouts, but he he was putting like six walks per nine, like guys out there. He couldn't keep guys off the bases. Brazier ended up in the minors for a couple of weeks. Like it, it, it was a mess. And then in the second half, this guy that really no one's ever heard of, he's been in and out of the Red Sox bullpen, Brandon Workman comes up with a pitch change. He went from throwing his curveball about the same as his fastball, and then he throws his curveball 50% of the time or 48%. And he has the best barrel percentage of any pitcher in baseball. Wow. A 0.7% barrel percentage. And if you go by uh, barrel, barrels per plate appearance, it's, he had the best one by over a percent. He had a 0.3. The next nearest guy was Mark Melanson at 1.4. <laughs> I mean, it was just like otherworldly. And – the fastball, it's not like some elite level spin rate. It doesn't have elite velocity. The curve doesn't have a crazy good spin rate. He just he has a, a little bit of a weird motion, and it's more of a tumbling curveball than like the sharp break. And so I think it just it messes with hitters, and it's still the Red Sox. I still think they're going to be competitive. And right now he has the role. Uh, I, I don't see Brazier or Barnes really taking it from him soon. So if there is, if and when there's a season, I, I think he's the clear-cut closer on a competing team. I'm going to take that. Uh, by the way, the commissioner uh, Robert uh, Edmondson, he got uh, Brandon Workman in our league, uh, Stephen. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so yeah, no, I, I, but yeah, but for this, he might not believe in him. But I still, as long as Matt Barnes is lurking, I don't trust it. I don't like this bullpen at all uh, for the Red Sox. Uh, I just, I don't like it. There's nothing to like. Uh, the, the rotation is garbage now, especially with Chris Sale, uh, with Tommy John. Did he ever get the surgery, Chris Sale? He, I don't know. I think he has. Because yeah, what's so, his name? Uh, the, the Tommy John guy, didn't he just suspend his uh, – he stopped doing surgeries for right now, right? Oh, back, uh, James Andrews? Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, he, 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 I guess he shut it down due to all the, the, the stuff going on with the, the, the virus going around. Because I, I know Beattie in San Francisco had his in Texas – Syndergaard had his in Florida. I want to say Sale had his. I'm not 100% sure. All right. Well, it don't matter at this yeah. point. Uh, he's going to have it. <laughs> yeah, he's going to have it one way or another. He hasn't already. But, yeah, I, I, unlike you, I don't like the Red Sox at all this year. I think they're 
Uh, they should be able to hit. Uh, pitching is going to be – it's going to be a lot of, like, eight to seven games, I predict. So, yeah. So that's why I avoided the Red Sox. He had it yesterday, by the way. Sorry to interrupt, but he had, wow. it, yes- he had it yesterday in L.A. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Well, good luck The to road him. to recovery. <laughs> and that's our obscure lineup for these five teams. That was a very interesting – I thought you know, I thought it was going to be pretty uh, cut and dry because it's, you know – I mean, we got a lot of uh, players, similar players, but uh, we went in hard. We went in depth on this one. Um, before I let you go, Steve, well, first of all, thank you for coming on uh, to talk about your team Thanks. and then yeah. doing Thanks for having me. Us. Any last words from you uh, about the upcoming season, Steve? No, I, I just need baseball. I just <laughs> need baseball. That's all I need to say. I just need baseball. Yeah, you and me both. Here I'm dying. Oh, man. Yeah, it, we, we got to get together and uh, when all this shit cools over, we got to get together and uh, get to catch some games uh, at, at the very least at a bar somewhere. I, I would uh, want to, uh, what do you call it, just – watch all the baseball games I can I, I can get in one sitting. And I want to go to a place where they have like 20 fucking TVs and, <laughs> and I want to watch all the games one after another. So thank Most you, Steve, definitely. for showing thank up. You, uh, you can yep. leave whenever you want. Uh, Sean, any last words from you? I'm looking forward to our last three groups. We've already have them picked out. Um, it's going to get real tough because we're going to get these great teams that have great players, and it's going to make some uh, hard choices. For sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's only going to get harder from here as uh, we got other teams. As uh, sorry, oh, okay, he's finally gone. Go. Oh my god, I, I, I fixed it. I fixed it. <laughs> oh, I, I, I removed him. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, oh, yeah. Steve. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Forgot I'm not hosting tonight. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for hosting. I really appreciate. It. I think uh, I think uh, this this uh, this is a good exercise for you as uh, I, as I count down the days to uh, fraternity leave. Um, <laughs> Yeah, two more months, bro. Two more months, uh, and uh, baby Felipe slash Rosalind Moore is going to be born. Hey, we're, we're going to need some uh, appearances, guest appearances on the podcast from you know, with the baby. We have to we have to make sure that you're not uh, playing hooky on us. You know, we need Jeez. proof of life that you're uh, that you have a, an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, shoot, everybody else uh, brings their kids in. Like, 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 it's like a basketball conference over here. Like, we, like, you know, after the, they do the presser and yeah, like Derek Rose right <laughs> yeah, the, the baby just on the lap. <laughs> yeah, daddy, daddy, for sure, daddy. for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so uh, she'll make her appearance soon enough. So, uh, but yeah, thanks, Sean, for coming on as always, and uh, we'll see everybody uh, next week.